0: Well, again, happy Easter. It is, it's good to sing together, right? You can't, uh, you can't recreate uh, this scene in this setup. And uh, I love starting with baptisms because also you can't, you can't argue with changed lives, can you? You can't argue uh, uh, against the, the power of the gospel to intercede with people's lives, intersect people's lives, and, and then tell the story of that. Whether it was the youngest, right, May, sharing her, her collision of grace, uh, or, or the oldest saying, listen, this is how Christ intersected my life and changed me and saved me. This is who I was, and this is who I am today. Um, and, and Easter tells us that story. It tells of the the plan of God, right, from the beginning of history uh, until the culmination at the end, the plan of God to save his people. That's what Easter is all about, right? And, like, we, we come in here, and, and some of you are wondering, like, well, man, you guys seem really excited today, right? Like, whoa. Yeah, we are. Right. Why? Because the resurrection is a big deal. Right. It's everything for us as Christians. Right. We should now we should be this excited every Sunday when we come in. Right. We do the same thing. Come back next week. we gonna be this excited. Why? Because the resurrection is true today and tomorrow and the next day and the next Sunday when we gather. And so that's what's taking place here this morning. And so not only, though, is it the plan of God on display, it's also the power of God. Right, like, like the power of God to empty a tomb is going, listen, I am God over all things, and my plan will be executed perfectly, just as I said it would, right? And, and you could look at history, and yes, this man named Jesus was crucified and fixed to a cross. But also you can look at that same history and say there was a tomb to which his body was placed, his cold, dead body was placed. But there's not the end, that's not the end of the story, is it? That that same tomb is now not containing a body, but that body vacated it. And that's the story I want to look at this morning. I want to give maybe reason to why this makes a difference in our lives. And for some of you, you just go, you kind of put the resurrection, you know, an empty tomb alongside uh, chocolate bunnies and, and plastic eggs and all these things. I want, I want to give maybe the why does this matter? Why would a people be so excited on this day when we gather and lift our voices and cheer more often than we do? Why, what, what is it about the resurrection? You see, uh, our Bible contains four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all four of those Gospels contain the Easter story, the resurrection story. And each of them contain different parts and pieces of the story, like Mark, for example. Uh, If you've ever studied the Gospel of Mark, we've done that here at the church. It's a very fast-paced Gospel. Over 40 times the word immediately is in Mark, immediately, immediately. And so for the resurrection, Mark gives eight verses, right? And just kind of, hey, here's what it is. The gospel I want to look at this morning is the gospel of Matthew. I love the way that Matthew writes the resurrection story because he, as he does throughout his whole gospel, he gives these details. He paints this picture, and it's very, it's very impactful, and, very, and the details he, he provides are very powerful, right? Even the beginning of Matthew is powerful, where it talks about these, these armies coming in. And I want to look at how Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, describes the resurrection. And so not only do we love to sing here at the Parks Church, we love the Word of God at, at the Parks Church. And we are preaching through the books of Acts. We're not going to do that this morning. I'll pick that up next week. But we are going to walk through Matthew chapter 28 and the resurrection story. And I pray for those of you who are Christians here, Christ followers, you'll look at this story again with a fresh heart and fresh eyes. And that zeal that we were just singing about would just swell up in you even more. And so uh, stand with me to honor the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew 28. We're going to begin in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Good Friday. For he is not here. For he has risen. Praise be to God, right? And these next words are important. As he said, in other words, he called it, if you remember. And then he says, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. My Bible, that's red letters. And they came and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. All right, we're, get, we're getting there. One of my favorite authors, um, his name is N.T. Wright. He's a theologian, and scholar in the, actually the Anglican Church. He says this about Easter. Um, he says, Easter has burst into our world, the world of space and time and matter, the world of real history and real people and real life like that, that. That's us this morning. But our minds and imaginations are too small to contain it. So even the story we just read, our minds and imaginations are just too, too small to contain it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do our best to put the sea into a bottle and fit the explosive fact of the resurrection into the possibilities we already know about. And so that's what I'm going to endeavor to do by the grace of God over the next 15 to 20 minutes or so, is fit that explosive fact of the resurrection into a bottle so that we might see the glory of our King Jesus. And so let's, let's look at Matthew 28. And I want us to get into this scene. I want to want to feel what's going on here. And the first thing that really strikes me in this passage is who the angel appears to, right? Look at it, and and the text will be behind me. It appears to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, right? How would you like to be in the text to be the other Mary? And they're like, come on, how how am I going to get the other Mary play, you know? But Mary Magdalene, if you're not familiar with her story, the the Gospel of Luke actually tells us that Jesus um, cast out seven demons from her. And through that moment uh, of delivering her from oppression, uh, she begins to follow Jesus as a disciple, one of his closest disciples, where she'd walk with him in ministry, where she would be there at his crucifixion, and she was there at his burial. So she is very sure of what has taken place on this Easter morning when she comes to tomb. And the other Mary, really all we know about her is the name of, of her sons, right? Joseph or Joseph. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that the first appearance or announcement, hey, that the tomb is empty... It's the two women? You said, "Kyle, why is that interesting?" Well, in the first century, women weren't necessarily looked upon in the best light. They for sure weren't the way in which a message, right, of a Messiah or a Savior emptying a tomb would would come. Like that's not the script. Even even in court, the the the, the testimony of women wasn't valued or validated. And some of you, and some of you are like kind of got some looks like, "Like what in the world? Like that that seems wrong." That's right. And you're right. It is wrong. It was wrong. But here's the amazing thing about our God, is that in him choosing his plan and his power to be displayed right through the resurrection, who does he choose to come to first to make his announcement? These women. Right? Some of you may be coming here and you're like, what, what is the real heart of God? Right? Maybe you have a, a church background. Or you have some exposure to something or a version. Like, here's what I want you to see right out of the gate in Matthew 28, the heart of our God. The heart of our God is that he comes to those who are marginalized. He comes to those who are not valued. He comes and he says, listen, I give you your value. I want to show, I want to demonstrate my heart, my love, my my affection for you. And my announcement of my son not being in the tomb anymore is going to come through you two women. It's an incredible reality. It's an incredible point that, that Matthew adds here. And so then the angel begins to talk to them, right? Like, and, and if you can imagine, you know, like, you probably can't imagine, right? But, but they are in utter shock. And so look at verse 5. It says, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. No joke. Appreciate that, angel. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen as he said. I don't think you can understate, or overstate, excuse me, those three words, as he has said. And it's not during Jesus' ministry that he said this. It's throughout the whole Old Testament. That God would testify that the Messiah would come and he would die for our sin, but then he would rise from the dead. And so the angel is reassuring these, these believers, like, listen, this is exactly what God's been writing since Genesis. This is exactly what Moses was talking about. This is what all the prophets were talking about. And, and he goes, but don't just take my word for it. Come and see. Right? He doesn't tell the Mary, hey, just, just trust me right? I'm an angel. Look at my clothing. I came in lightning. The earthquake didn't convince you, right? Now I want you to see with your own eyes. Now I want you to see it. And so he says, come and look. And can you imagine like the Mary's running into the tomb? Like he's right, right? He's not here. He's risen. You see, that's what God is beckoning all of us this morning to do. All of us come and see. Right, so, so maybe a friend or family member or, or somebody who was who baptized invited you here to come and see. N- not, not their testimony, right, as powerful as it, as it is. Not their church, not the music, not, not, not the preaching, but invited you to come and see King Jesus. Invited you to come in here to, to verify for yourself the power of the resurrection. That the grace of Jesus Christ is real and it intersects our lives in power. But listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not some distant theological concept that we just get geeked up about and wear pastels on a certain Sunday. But it is a real vivid thing that has absolutely captured all of our hearts, has taken us. Listen, if you're a disciple, it's taken you from a heart of stone, the Bible says, to a beating heart of flesh. That when we walk into that tomb, if you will, and we examine the reality that it is empty that it confronts us with the greatest confrontation of all time, right? That either Jesus is king or he's not. And all of us have to do something with the tomb. All of us have to do something with it, right? And for some of you, you go, you know, here's how I deal with it. I don't think he really rose from the dead. I think his body was stolen. You know, all of these other excuses, right? And I, I bet that would be a few of you. But I bet the majority of you would go, okay? I know the history. I value the history of this. I know that hundreds of people saw the resurrected Christ after this literally touched him. Yeah, the tomb's empty. Back to my first question. Big deal. What's it matter? What does the resurrection matter in my life today? What power does it have in my every single day? And that's what we're going to see. What power did it have in the Mary's life? What did it, power did it have in those whom Jesus told them to go? Because that's the next thing. And not just come and see. you not just come and see and revel in the tomb and be like, Whoa. but what does the angel say next to them? Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. That's what you go and tell. And so believer, here's the rhythm of all of our lives. Come and see. Experience the grace and mercy of the gospel of Jesus Christ alive in your life. But that is not for you just to sit on. That is for you to do what? Go and tell. Right? Every person that waded into this water right here came and they said, come and see because I want to come and tell you. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about his power and his mercy and his grace that is alive and moving and working from the youngest to the oldest. That there's no one. Outside of the saving power of Jesus. There's no one that he can't reach. That the empty tomb is real. I believe it because I've experienced it. I know it. You see. These women showed up. To the tomb. Easter morning. Expecting. To find it sealed up. And a dead body. They came with spices and fragrance to mask the odor. That's what they were expecting. But what does King Jesus do? What he always does. Flips the script and does the unexpected. These women who show up, they find instead an empty tomb and a rolled stone. For some of you, here's what King Jesus is doing this morning. He's flipping the script. My guess would be that many of you have come to a lot of Easter services. You've heard this story. Maybe you even heard this text preached before. But our Lord and Savior has a powerful and profound way of intersecting our lives just at the right moment and doing something totally unexpected, right? You came in here, just sing some songs. Yeah, they're going to be hyped up. I'm going to go from here and have some really good ham at mom's house, right? But instead, the Lord wants to display not just in an empty tomb his plan and power of salvation, he wants it alive in your life, his plan and power of salvation. Not religious activity, not church attendance, not moralism, but a true collision with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one who doesn't say, hey, clean up your act first. Hey, clean up, then come to me. The one who comes to us as we are. Mess, chaos, everything. And steps into it and redeems us and saves us. And so here's what the ladies do. They do what the angel says because you do that, right? Right? You have this empty tomb. You got this message. They said, go and tell. I'm going to go and tell, right? And so they run and they go quickly. It says, verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. What a duo, right? And I've talked about this before, but this is like such a combination of emotion. Can you imagine it's like, what? You know, like, I don't, I don't know, but that's how, that's fear and joy for me. Okay. <laughs> I said, this before, it's kind of like when I decided this is the first and last time I ever did this to hang Christmas lights on my house. Okay. And my house, it's pretty, it's got a pretty steep pitch, and I'm afraid of heights, but you know, I've got a couple kids. I want to put up Christmas lights. And so like with every strand, I was like, yeah, this is awesome and terrible at the same time. You know, <laughs> like I felt so accomplished, so much joy, but so much terror at the same time. I don't do that anymore, but Or maybe it's like uh, buying your first house, right? Excitement, but like, wait, we got to pay for it? (laughs) Or a child being born, especially that first one handed to you. And you're like, wow, I I get to take this home. Like we have to take this home and raise it. You know, like it's it's that fear and joy. You're holding the baby over there. You're like, yeah, I get it, man. You know? These ladies, what, what emotion? I, 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 I just try to get there, and I don't even think I can. I think the fear is, 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 is a healthy fear of, of this is, this is our Messiah. This is the King, the one we were walking with, was King Jesus. This is the one we're telling about. But I think there's also a fear going. What does this mean? <laughs> what does this mean for us? But then there is this overwhelming joy of. Going, I walked with him. Mary imagine Mary Magdalene going, I know this king. He delivered me. He delivered me from the worst oppression you can imagine. He calmed these things. So there's this joy. And then maybe even to put their minds at ease, right? Wondering, okay, we saw empty tomb is his body. We trust the angel. One step further. And behold, who met him? Jesus. Jesus met them literally, physically. His resurrected body met these two on the way as they were going to tell the disciples. And what was their response to Jesus? They fell and held onto his feet and worshiped him. Like, what was that moment like? And, and, and by the way, this should answer the question, did Jesus just resurrect and he was like a ghost no, no, they grabbed his feet. It was a bodily resurrection. And they worshiped him, right? I don't know if they broke out into song. I don't know what happened, right? That's why we love to sing, right? We just love to worship our Savior at his feet. And that's what they did. In verse 10, And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. So if they had any fear of like, What does this mean? What, what, what's going on? He said, Hear me. Tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they'll see me. So you're going to go tell them, hey, the tomb was empty. Hey, 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 we've got, we were told by an angel to come see you. Now he goes, hey, you can put my validation on it. Jesus met us and told us to tell you. He's not in the grave anymore. And they're going to go, yeah, right, Mary, Mary. I, I know that's our greatest hope, but I don't know if it's true. And he goes, you tell them, I'll meet them there. They may doubt you, but they won't doubt me when I show up. But what strikes me in verse 10 is that little section right there after Anne that says, tell my brothers. So these are the disciples. The 11 guys closest to him, Judas, we know, is no longer alive. What happened at the end of Christ's life with his brothers? You recall that? There they were, Peter. Jesus is going, I'm going to have to die. Tonight's the night. I'm going to give my life, and you all are going to fall away. What does Peter say? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm Peter. Petros, right? Rock. Build the church. This guy. I'm strong. Those other losers, they'll fall away, right? We all know them. They're going to fall away. I won't. And as the night progressed, what happens? Even in the garden of Gethsemane, they're falling asleep. when Jesus goes, don't fall asleep. They can't stay awake. And then Jesus is being taken into prison and he's being beat and being stripped and mocked. And Peter's warming his hands by a charcoal fire at a distance, watching his Savior. And a middle school girl approaches him. I'm not joking, a little girl approaches him and says, Hey, aren't you with that guy? Aren't you one of his 12? Aren't you one of his inner circle? And Peter goes, I don't know him. I don't know him. Denial, denial curses and Jesus takes the road marked with suffering alone that's purposeful it's purposeful and he goes to the cross with his deepest followers and closest disciples having rejected him he's buried he resurrects and after he resurrects I love this he tells Mary and Mary, go to my brothers. That's a term of endearment. You see, and be thankful I'm not. But if I'm Jesus, I'm going, hey, go, tell the, go get those guys together. I got some words for them, all right? Please get them together so that we can have a talk, you know? But he goes, no, get, get these guys. Get, go get my brothers and tell my brothers, my closest followers, those whom I love those whom I died for, that I want to see him. I want to tell him I love him. You see, the resurrection, the death, and resurrection of Christ is for the weak, is for the proud, is for the skeptical, the religious, the irreligious, the failures, the fearful, and go on down the list. The resurrection of Christ is for all of us. You see, the joy comes because we, as I'm sure it was joy to the ears of these disciples, we can stop our wondering and our doubts and our striving and our religious games, our failed pursuits to stack up and completely trust in the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ that is punctuated by an empty tomb. You see, how are we shaped by the resurrection today? You see an empty tomb for us as believers and Christians. And I'm begging you, as somebody peering in today, it makes sense of this entire world. All of the brokenness and the pain that all of us, if we are honest, are very acquainted with. We hadn't met in two years, you know? You hadn't had donuts and coffee in two years being served as this guy. and some of you, that's a snag for you with Christianity. It's going, yeah, this, this, this hype, this, 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 this excitement, it all seems like a brittle shell of an egg, right? It all seems like everybody puts on a facade and just smiles and says, we got it all together. Listen, you are in the wrong place, right? That is not our testimony. And in fact, Easter, I, I love what one author says about Easter, and maybe this is the realest thing you'll hear today is that Easter doesn't suppress our pain. It doesn't minimize our loss. It bids our burdens stand as they are, in all their weight, with all their threats. And this risen Christ, with the brilliance of indestructible life in his eyes, says, these two, your pain, your hurt, your heartache, your loss, these two I will claim in the victory. These two will serve for your joy. These two, even these, I can make for an occasion for rejoicing. So this rejoicing, hear me this morning, is not empty. It's not suppressing pain, just going, I'm not even going to think about what's going on. No, it's going, I'm bringing all of that before King Jesus, the one who vacated the tomb, the one who I can be confident and sure that my best life is not now, but I have a future with him forever. So I have to fake it. Right? Fake it till you make it. No, that's not a Christian mantra. That's religiosity. That's the very thing Jesus opposed. That's the very thing Jesus went to the cross to die for. He says, no, here is the gospel. That I lived the life you couldn't. I died the death you deserved. And I did something none of you could do. I rose victorious over death, hell, sin, and the grave. So you can be sure that my death was not in vain. So maybe this Easter and the joy of Easter for you is this. That Easter speaks specifically and tenderly to the pains that plague us. That whatever loss, whatever you're lamenting, whatever burden weighs you down, Easter in an empty tomb says this, it will not always be this way for you. Jesus has risen. The kingdom of God is here. The king is on his throne. And this is the greatest message on earth. And Paul, quoting the Old Testament, would say this. He said, death, you talk about victory? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, it's like he's taunting it. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Something that seems so final, right, for us, death. He goes, it doesn't have the final word. Jesus has the final word. We thought Friday was the final word until Jesus says, "No, I actually have the final word." And here's the final word: life. Life. So many of our narratives begin with, "I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't restore my marriage, I can't fix this, I can't figure this out." I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't. And in that we feel our insufficiency. In this room, maybe you guys are well acquainted with that. But this Easter Sunday, all those I can'ts that we would all voice and we would all resonate with and we would all understand Jesus goes I know you're right you can't and that's why I came and the proof and the punctuation the exclamation on why I came is that empty tomb that all your I can'ts were buried in that because I came and I did and I will I will reconcile I will heal I will restore what is broken. This fractured world, it's not forever. Your fractured life and your fractured Mary, Jesus steps into it and says, listen, you're right, you can't. I will and I can. That's the power of the resurrection. So I'm gonna pray and then guess what we're gonna do to end the service? Sing, we're gonna sing. Because that's how we wanna end with, a, with, with a, an anthem going out of here. And so I wanna challenge you probably my guess is you came with someone today and as Christ begins to confront this come and see look at the empty tomb examine maybe re-examining Christ for many of you I want you to have a conversation with someone you say hey I just I, I don't have a, I don't have anyone to have that conversation with there's about 12 of us who would love to have a conversation with you about that and maybe this morning you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're recommitting your life to Christ. It's a beautiful thing, the the most incredible thing on the planet. But God doesn't save us and put us on an island. God saves us and places us, the word of God says, in a family so that we can walk together in the joy and the power of the resurrection today and tomorrow and the next day. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the time in Matthew. I thank you that you would inspire him to write about the resurrection in the way he did. One that draws my heart, the one that stirs my affections, the one that confronts me with an empty tomb, the one that shows me your heart for the marginalized and the failures and the religious and all the things I am, the prideful, that you died and rose again for me. And so Lord, I pray that we might be confronted with that reality again and sing this final anthem a glorious way about our salvation and our risen Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.